Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell, the podcast where an aging Gen X author and a self-hating millennial activist come together to thoroughly and conclusively solve our culture war problems with our combined wit, wisdom, and most importantly, lived experiences. I am the aging Gen X author, Megan Daum, and with me is the self-hating millennial, Sarah Hader. Good evening, Sarah. Good evening, Megan. How are you? I'm okay. I'm in Chicago. Oh, nice. Very, very How exciting. How is Chicago? Yeah. I love Chicago. Yeah? It's, I really, it's really, I think it's my favorite really? city. <laughs> I just think it's a great city. I haven't been. I love it every time I come I've been here. A, I've been a few times, but for work, I didn't love it. I thought it was, it was, because because it was cold, I think. I went in like the cold months, so I was, mm, yeah. I was unhappy in Chicago. You were just like, meh. I was just like, this like, is kind of like a cross between, you know, Houston and like, New York, I guess, like a little bit of, you know, like it's, 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 (laughs) I thought you were going to say Houston and Tulsa or something. Well, I mean, because it has big city vibes and it's a very, it's, it's urban. Chicago, yeah. yeah, It's, I think it's the second largest. Well, no, Houston is the first largest city now, isn't it? Is it? Um, Houston's Houston's the fastest growing city for sure. Enormous. But Houston is, Houston is also horrible when it comes to like, it's, it's not really very, it's not walkable at all. Um, no. and so it doesn't have the same feeling, you know, I just, it just, you just feel like you're in a one big car, you know, car lot. Oh yeah. No, it's not I mean, the but same. I, I, love, is a real city. I, I love Houston in like, I, I love the people in Houston. I love the food of Houston, but it, a city, I don't really think of it as a, you know, no. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, Chicago has fabulous architecture. Oh, it's right. Right. The architecture is lake, nice. lake that looks like an ocean, um, Oh, really? It's just yeah. Solid. I went with somebody once who was like an architecture student, like a student, like cu- like currently studying architecture, and they were like pointing out all the beautiful, like this is this and this is an example of this blah blah blah. And I just yeah, <laughs> it was that was nice. Is that what they said? Literally, that was, exactly. That was, was um, very good exactly what I remember of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the teacher from the Peanuts comic strip giving you the tour. Um, yeah, so I'm here for the Chicago Humanities Festival, uh, which is a great festival. And I just did a stage interview with Michael Shermer. And then uh, then Seymour Hirsch, the legendary journalist, did an event after, right after us. So I stayed and watched that. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, we've both been very busy. We both had events this week. Last um, week for me, 2022. Last week. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, right. We're recording this on Saturday evening, as we always so do. So last Saturday, I had an event, and it was, um, well, not an event, it's weird to call it that, a conference. Um, and it was nice. It was a, it was really f- interesting. It was a unique group of people. I don't know how much I want to go into it. I think there were some people there from our subscribers that were there, or but I don't, I was just so busy from, you know, like, from the organizer's perspective, it's just like hectic. You don't remember a single thing. You're up all night the night before. Yeah. Um, it's like your wedding. Yeah, w- right. Except, you know, like there are people who like paid a lot of money to be there and now they're going to be upset. That's like, they're, your but wedding. they're allowed to be upset at you. Like, you know, <laughs> when you're, when you're doing, when you're an organizer. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Um, 
they yeah so it, it was the location was extremely beautiful so i mean for a conference venue it was just yeah. it was fantastic um so that that was wonderful and i think the day went really well um there were some unique conversations there were a lot of exes from all these different little religious groups um we had an amish speaker who spoke really eloquently about education oh, wow. like ex amish um and uh you know yeah yeah there was a lot of this um there's a lot of you know arranged marriage like speakers who were talking about being forced into marriages and um another speaker who touched on um her battle with uh with the new york new york state um yeah anyway it was just it was there was a lot there it was it was amazing it was interesting i'm glad it's over (laughs) You know, like, I'm just like, oh, thank God it's over. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I had a retreat. I had my four-day unspeakeasy (laughs) retreat in Stony Point, New York, and it was fantastic. Four days. Yeah, it's three nights, four days. Yeah, we go. It's, um, yeah, we have, we had 13 uh, women. There were 14 of us total, and we just had... It's an it's an intellectual. This is an intellectual community, and this is a, a ideas retreat. So we really, literally, just spend the whole time talking. We talk about various issues, most of them related to the culture wars, not all, but we just have the kind of honest, nuanced discussions that people feel like they can't get with their immediate friends or peers or colleagues or whatever. It's all off the record, um, and we just had some really moving and um deep and uh amazing discussions so it was great we had two guest speakers uh lisa selen davis and nancy rommelman and it was really wonderful so that sounds amazing yeah, yeah it sounds really it is. nice so was, these are yeah, these are these, how do you feel as an organizer of do you feel very relaxed when you're there or are you like no nah, <laughs> no it's terrible well but i'm supposed to be the yeah. i'm supposed to be the yeah, leader yeah, yeah. so it's like it's very so, bad optics it, when the person who's in charge is like you know signing people oh, in okay. and uh, and cutting up the but yeah this is just the beginning and i actually did, i did have um a wonderful woman helping me uh, for most of it so as soon as she arrived everything was fine but okay <laughs> in the beginning it was a little it was a little little dicey yeah. but as this thing grows hopefully I'll be able to enlist more help and um, can have, have more fun. So yeah, definitely going to be more of these next year and we're going to grow this in various ways. Are you so. going to open one for men? I feel, I feel like, no, I feel, Oh, that's, that's me. Your, that's your, Oh my God. I actually terrain. think I would yeah. be very good at it. At, <laughs> at running a men's yeah. group. Yeah. I think I'm very sympathetic to their issues. Um, I know, you know, I've, uh, masculine-ish vibe sometimes um i don't know (laughs) well so were these women we actually talked a lot about um this question of whether women run cancel culture oh yeah Yeah. and we talked a lot about that kind of stuff and the kind of mean girl dynamic that manifests in these twitter spaces and these cancellation wars and um and we also actually had several conversations about this idea of constantly clearing your throat and starting every statement with I'm a liberal or I'm speaking from the left, but blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there were several people there, one in particular who said like, I'm not a liberal. Like she said, I'm a conservative. Mm. Um, And I am not politically homeless. I'm a Republican. (laughs) And, and frankly, 
I don't like it. You know, you, you maybe you need to think harder about constantly, uh, you know, equivocating like yeah. this. And I think she had a point. And I, I have noticed that when I describe this enterprise to people, I often find myself saying, oh, it's, you know, we're we're on the left and we're just critiquing yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the left. And actually, that's not true. Well, I mean, so <laughs> it, I feel like I had to do that quite a bit with, um, you know, my nonprofit work with ex-Muslims. Um, and, it, and it so it was true. Like we polled our members for us. It was like it was like the, the lean, the people who, who noted that they were leaning um, to the left were just it was like ninety two percent some something crazy high where yeah, Democrat like fully sure left and like it was just too many, and, but but I I was resentful of having to clear my throat all the time and always say we're from the left and this is these are our concerns because the concerns are real whether or not they're coming from us and it's absurd that you need to share the same political goals in order to be taken seriously. I mean, if it's a, if an issue right. is an issue, if the, if it's true, it warrants um, some kind of response. It warrants, you know, a real consideration. Um, even if you don't a hundred percent agree on like politically how, how, you know, how should we reorient society or whatever. Um, so I, it, it started to get very frustrating to me that, to see this kind of throw clear. I'm actually, I'm reading this book. It's really interesting. I won't divulge too much about it because I just started it. It's about um, the birth, birth control <laughs> and how <laughs> like hormone. And so it's, so it's, it's a spicy book because it talks about the negatives of birth control um, of just messing with your hormones and how it can affect the female body kind of thing. And the woman is clearly somebody who shares a, a liberal perspective and worldview in a lot of ways because she is throat clearing every other paragraph, every other paragraph. She's like, look, 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 I'm not trying What's to the say book? Who's the author? Um, yeah. Let me, should, should I, should I toss her under the bus? Um, hold on. You're not saying this like it's a negative thing. I think so. So, so she's talking about the uh, unintended consequences. Yeah, let me, let me, hold on. Let me, let me control. find the, the book. It's also like, yeah, the title, I've pulled it up. It's um, This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. Um, and it's 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 really interesting. I'm really enjoying it. It's from a woman called Sarah E. Hill, PhD. And I don't, you know, I don't, I've just started it. So, um, and I am not a PhD. And I don't know anything about, you know, the science of, of women and hormones and stuff, but she basically talks, she, she get instant, gets into the unintended consequences really. And what she calls unintended consequences of, of messing around with your, with your hormones and how it changes you. Mm -hmm. And like the chapters are so interesting because she, she talked like, it's like part one, you are your biology. You know, it's like, um, and, and in mm -hmm. order to, so she talks, she talks about how your, you are your hormones, right? You are, um, your hormones affect your state of mind in so many different what you think, how you think it. I mean, it, this is this is these this is important stuff, and we tend to. She says we tend to think of hormones as something that's kind of apart from us because our when we think of our experiences with hormones, we think of them in like puberty, like when there was a huge rush and we didn't feel like ourselves and all that. But hormones are constantly running in our system. And they're making right. us who we are all the time. Anyway, so she, she's saying all this common sense kind of stuff. And she is throat clearing every 
just every other paragraph and i feel sorry for her because yeah you know her editor right, 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 you know this it, she's saying she's saying a lot of interesting things i want to know this information i'm kind of annoyed at having to hear like look look i'm not saying don't take birth control i'm not saying it because you should yeah. take it if it's good for, if you want to take it you should take it and it, it's just like ah. Oh. Uh, like <laughs> you think birth control is a net negative i don't know i haven't gotten to society. i haven't i, I just okay. I start, i'm only a couple of chapters in so I, I i don't know but she talks about it it's like you know it's a, it's it's your brain on drugs you know when birth control is like it's kind of a drug for your brain because you're t- changing who you are it's changing how you're thinking it's ch- <laughs> changing well we know like it, yeah it's making you a big slut well, it's, it's making you <laughs> is that her point <laughs> you know maybe i don't know i haven't um uh, I haven't gotten to that part because there are some chapters that are about sex. I'm very curious to see what happens here. But she she okay. does. I mean, she talks about um, you know how they, due to taking birth control, women can find different men, different kinds of men attractive. Um, and there's been some. This has been covered to death elsewhere. I've heard it a million times. Um, have you this whole business of like when you, all these women who are on birth control they uh, then get off of it and then they find suddenly that they find their husband or, or boyfriend disgusting and repulsive. <laughs> no, I never heard that. Yeah, there's like there's like a phenomenon that this happens. Like the that um the the women will suddenly find the smell this specifically they'll point to the smell of 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 their um you know uh significant others or is suddenly just extremely gross. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it this? So this is like an evolutionary, right, reproductive strategy thing. Like, so if these guys are not going to be good providers, once you get off birth control, you're more likely to discard them. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know how it how it falls in terms of whether you prefer a certain like I I haven't again I haven't gotten to that chapter, so I don't know the details of it. But I do know that the other studies that I've read about, um, they just focused on sexual attraction, like whether or not who you're who you're attracted to tends to change, not which direction it tends to change, just that women will suddenly find their husbands gross. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I think okay. it's really interesting. I'm fascinated with this discussion because I don't use birth control because I um, it it really messes me up. Well, you're always pregnant. Well, I'm always pregnant, so I don't need kids. to. Um, and yeah, but, but it... I found with birth control that it gives me crazy brain fog and I don't feel like myself and I can't think straight. And when I look it up, there's like not a lot of information about mental clarity and birth control. <laughs> like there's just not a lot of information. Is she talking about the pill specifically? She's talking about, she's talking about the pill. Control. Yeah. And I'm talking about the pill right okay. now when I mean, when I mean yeah. birth control, I mean, I, I mean, I use other forms of birth control. I mean the pill. I specifically don't use a pill or any kind of hormonal birth control because it just, um, it drives me, it, not crazy. I don't think I become crazy. I just feel like I become duller and I've tried many different kinds and it's all, it's always the same. So I've always been fascinated by this topic just because I haven't heard a lot about what are, what are we doing? <laughs> like what, what are we, what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. There's very little critique of it. It's one of yeah. those things yeah. that it's almost like you don't want to, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Well, right. Because it's it, what now. if, but, but what if you find out and then you're like, eh, I don't want, and it's, it's so, it's such a, cornerstone of you know modern day sex positive feminism um and and really it's not even not even sex positive just that i mean second wave feminism it's the cornerstone of of the women's movement and really the whole entire second half of the 20th century um 
pretty much. Um, all right. Well, speaking of not using birth control because you want to have a million kids, we're going to talk about Elon Musk. <laughs> Your transitions are getting better. <laughs> yeah. Um, big in the news this week, Elon Musk is finally buying Twitter. Or he's bought it, I think. Right? Oh, like he bought he's, it. He's Sorry. Bought I've been, it I haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Okay. The deal went through. Yeah. Uh, I don't. What, what What do you think of this? I, do you have an opinion? Do you have a I'm, take? You know, I I have the same opinion I had before, which is I think I expect some things to change. Um, I expect him to take certain uh certain things like political censorship seriously. I think that was it. It seems from what he's been signaling and uh, the stuff that he's been putting out there, um, to advertisers or to you know to to generally putting out there, um. It seems like that's his main concern. Um, his main concern appears to be that there's this is this is the public square. We need a public square where um, people can hear information without it being distorted um, by by interested parties, and that that that's that's an important that's the reason that he he's taking this very seriously, which I think is a very it's a noble reason, and I'm. I'm actually amazed that someone would spend this much money for Twitter. And it shows a lot of commitment because I don't know if he's about to make a lot of money from Twitter. I think that you know, this is the, this is a sacrifice that he's making, which is kind of incredible because really I don't see, you know, what, what, how, how else you could, we could have broken um, uh, what was going on in Twitter and still might, might happen. This kind of censorship this kind of strong, progressive lean um this you know newfound ability to just call everything misinformation um mm -hmm. and prevent people from seeing it the uh bans seem to be increasing in how political they are um i mean ge gender critical speech is obviously like that's that's been um censored on twitter that's been censored on reddit pretty bad right. i mean the reddit's it's been Same. it's really it's being censored on Reddit. Oh, oh. Reddit has no Reddit. Reddit is I, terrible. Reddit is the worst place um, for. Yeah, because they, they banned. I think it was last year or the year before last year. They had kind of like a a, a night, you know, like the, where they just nuked all the gender critical subreddits, just like all of them, like overnight. Um, oh, I was not following. Yes, this. yes, this okay. was. I, sh I should. Uh, this was, you know, yeah. This was a little while back, and it was like a big. It was a big deal because that's that's how I got clued into that there was such a thing as gender critical gender critical feminism. I heard about it on Reddit, and uh, yeah, there was this. Um, there were several people, obviously, that are involved in Reddit that are um, very much uh, pro, you know, trans rights or what they consider trans rights, and they consider gender critical feminism to be like terrorism essentially or a hate hate group um and mm. they just outright banned a, just a bunch of groups um overnight including all the big ones i don't think that there's any gender critical subreddit really left on reddit um the only subreddit that they've left that has any kind of information like this is it appears to be detrans which is a detransitioners subreddit and that's mm -hmm. that's basically the only dissenting voice left um and a lot of this has to do with the fact that Reddit is Reddit is kind of owned by Reddit communities are owned by petty tyrants. You know, the the 
there's mods and then there's the the super mods and like uh, the power mods who are mods of many different communities and then there's the admins um and unfortunately these are people who are very 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 online they tend to have the a similar worldview um not unlike wikipedia editors um and mm-hmm. it's it reddit has and it you know it, when it comes to gender critical stuff i mean that's you're just not getting that information at all in, on reddit anymore and the community the gender critical um subreddit was doing really well like it was it was getting a lot of traction it was getting a like so many followers i forgot how how big it was exactly by the time it got taken down but it was a huge community and um they were you know quote unquote peaking a lot of people Mm. um and uh yeah right just through the ban hammer and, and as far as i know okay. they hadn't really done anything wrong <laughs> um it was just like suddenly now this is classified as hate speech so okay yeah well i have felt like whenever i or often frequently almost always when i tweet uh anything related to gender it has uh suspiciously little engagement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so shadow bans are real oh they're definitely real I think they're def they're definitely real. I mean, they, this is so. This is there's a weird kind of naivete when like when you discuss shadow bands. Like they they would never like. Of course they well, would. I th- but I mean, but they yeah, but they constantly say it's not true. Yeah, constantly, yeah, constantly. Yeah. Even though it's in their terms okay. of service that they can they can they can do whatever they want when it comes to displaying your um your content to others, and they can they can. I can actually pull it up exactly their terms of service. Hold on. Oh my god! Did you look at the terms of service before you joined Twitter? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, but I have looked at the, it. The fine print, because I yeah, I would like to know exactly how this works. Although although maybe nobody knows exactly how how it works. Because talk about gaslighting! It can really make you feel crazy because you can tweet something and I mean I once I think I might have said this before I once tweeted something, I don't think it had to do with gender. I'm pretty sure it did not, and I had. Uh, several people with high, high, high follower accounts, mm-hmm. like million plus followers, retweet it, and still nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it happens. It it definitely happens, and it I've noticed it too that it's it happens a lot when I when I tweet something about gender and it takes off. <laughs> when I tweet something about gender oh, and it okay. takes off, then the next it's like the next week and a half. I feel like my accounts being not it's not like shadow ban is not the right word because it just feels like it's being throttled in some way like that my i noticed that my engagements are extremely low um and that my you know i can see in my um you know like tweet statistics or whatever like um that it's being shown to like a tiny fraction of my um of my audience which it doesn't happen all the time. And when it does happen, it's very noticeable because I get a lot of notifications all the time. And then suddenly when I don't, it's very, it's mm. very clear that suddenly I'm not getting any, you know, I'm not getting any notifications. What's going on. Um, right. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, um, they definitely do it. And, uh, and are they like looking at your exact account? Is some actual person looking at your actual account or is this all algorithmic? I bet it's algorithmic, but I'm sure they have the ability to have like individuals who are just stalking you. I, I, I bet that happens when it comes to the, when it comes to gender, I, I wouldn't put anything past like there, there are definitely some obsessed people on Twitter and given what I understand about um, the Twitter staff, it, apparently they're, they're overstaffed. There are a lot of people that don't have much of a job there. 
Um, there are people with mm. a lot of time on their hands. So I, I don't really, I don't know the details. I'm, you know, I, without going, getting too, um, you know, paranoid about it, I just wouldn't put anything past them because they, they, these people do think that this is a, a religion, you know, and they do, they do feel like they need to enforce it. Um, and yeah. like, the next revolution right and, and i mean it was it, i noticed like i mean i when jack dorsey was on uh joe rogan's podcast this was a couple of years ago with his um legal director who is now fired who's been fired um uh this was the same woman who was responsible for the decision to uh permanently suspend donald trump's account um elon let her go <laughs> along with the ceo um, okay. Yeah, it was just <laughs> interesting. <clears throat> uh, but I I remember from that from that interview. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, I mean, this woman is a is a professional. She knows how to dodge questions, so she dodged a lot of them. But the the one that she was pretty clear about was that, um, you know, that that they consider misgendering to be hate speech, um, and that this is this is not something. So, but. but this is that's an ideology, right? Like we have to talk about what. what also, what does misgendering mean? How do they define that? That talking about this at all, just calling somebody a man when they identify as a woman. So that's I mean, that's, that's what got Megan right, Murphy think, kicked off, and it was really innocuous at the end of the day. She she identified this act this that's hate speech this activist. <laughs> yeah, to, you know Jessica Yaniv, who at that time was going by Jonathan Yaniv, and she just said it's Jonathan Yaniv, and that's what got her thrown off. Yeah, I remember that. That was um, that was really egregious, yeah. but it, it it was a good. I mean, it was a good indicator of like where they stood ideologically on the issue, which is that this is what this is our policy. And um, it's a, you know, zero tolerance, really. And if you start if you start misgendering people, you know, if you start saying that, no, this is this is actually a man or this is actually a woman, this is a this is equivalent to harassment and hate speech and you'll get banned. Um, and I know a lot. I mean, I know that I'm very careful about this, even when, you know, I, I feel like I'm like I'm being forced to tell a lie. You know, like there, there have been so many cases of these these people who like, like Jonathan Yaniv, Jessica Yaniv, um, who just seem like, like they, they don't deserve any, any respect. They don't, they don't deserve to have their gender no. respected. Yeah. I want to be able to say that this is just a, this is just a predatory man. And I want to be able to say that out loud. And I know that I can't say that on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It's really insane. It's really, really insane. So do you think that people are going to get blue checks finally or does anybody even care about blue checks anymore um i mean i wouldn't want to get a blue check frankly oh, right because right. i'm like i'm like yeah i, I wouldn't yeah because it, it it would be like it's like writing for the new yorker like ugh, well no because you know, it, it would I you know i'm like a i'm like a, i'm a woman of the people <laughs> oh right and then if so then i become a blue so, check you I, know one God, of them i no, I so God, should I like get rid of my blue check? No, no, no. Wait, wait until you get like some. Wait until you get like a little bit more followers, and then get rid of it. Then you know. Th- I'm never gonna get more followers. I I just like I'm so I, I don't think I'm. I, you're I have, so like, you're 30. so nice on I'm, on Twitter. I, well, I'm not gonna bother fighting. So uh, yeah, I'm probably rounding up on like thirty one thousand followers. I just don't. Uh, I don't get in fights. Um, also, your takes are all, that- like, smart on there and, like, even, like, level-headed, which is not what Twitter wants. Twitter wants insanity, no, and you got to give it to them. It. Right. Right. 
and I don't do it enough. Yeah, I'm just not gonna not gonna live that way. How <laughs> how um, big of you? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I see you don't want to be you. Um, so, but are you gonna are you gonna um, are you gonna tweet more? honestly about now? gender um so i, I try anything. to be as honest as i can while not getting banned or or this throttling thing that they're doing with with gender there were several times in the past couple of months that i've i've wanted to say something about it and then i was like but i have something to pr- promote in the next couple of days and if i say this uh-huh. they'll throttle my account and i won't be able to promote this you know event or peace or whatever you know i've thought about it and then i've i've then said okay i'm gonna save it for later and i usually forget about it and you know so mm-hmm. so it has led to kind of like a a, a sort of self-censorship on on twitter mm-hmm. which i'm really um you know like i'm really mad about because i i it just it, it you know it makes you feel like a fraud you know right. and yeah. except it's a very it's a legitimate you know it's a legitimate concern they will kick you off and then and it really is a great platform for getting information out there so it's like okay ultimately if i want people to be able to hear about my criticisms about gender i need my twitter you know not just to tweet things but to be able to link to accounts on you know my Substack or whatever where i say what i really want to say or link to this podcast where we say what we want to say you know, mm-hmm. so we still need right. that. We still right. need that platform. I think that a lot of people who are remember when Milo Yiannopoulos got kicked off of Twitter. Remember, like, <laughs> felt like so so long ago. Was it the um? Was it the uh, pederasty comment he made? Was that what got him? I mean, that's what got him canceled, like forever. I yeah, I don't know that's what got him kicked off political right. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know what got him kicked off of Twitter. Anyways, I remember him like he was like, "Yay, I got kicked off of Twitter." He was he was like spinning it as a victory because every time he gets canceled, he actually grows stronger or whatever. But I was like, "No, dude, like this is this actually is a loss. Like <laughs> you are going to just lose." And I think soon after that he became more and more irrelevant. Um you know, mm. it it really is important to to have the have the platform, so it's uh, I always hated him. I really I found him just grotesque and I had no interest in him. But the thing that finally got him canceled was actually the most interesting thing he ever said. I don't know if he said it on Rogan. No, I think he said it on some sort of obscure podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but something he was talking about gay men, boys coming of age and the way that older um, maybe this was in the context of Kevin Spacey even. I don't know. I'm probably misremembering this, but the essence of it was that, uh, that the, there was a tradition of um, teenage boys being in relationships with older gay men and um, that there was some good that came out of that. And, and he made a joke about how his priest, you know, father, whatever, uh, he, you know, he he had him to thank or something like that, you know, th- making a joke that he was molested by his priest and, and this was, you know, somehow a good thing. And, you know, it was a very crude joke. Um, and that's what made the political right say, OK, enough of you. Once you start joking about yeah. about molesting priests, like we're done mm-hmm. with you. But I actually thought it was really kind of <laughs> the, the most the most interesting thing he's he'd ever said. Yeah. Um, and and sort of worth discussing, yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway. yeah. I mean, he was always 
like a jester like that that his like the i just remember he would he would publish all these you remember he would publish all these long posts on breitbart and he wasn't even writing them he had like this team of people that were writing them for him under his name that's right that's right he had like a sweatshop of writers yeah Right, and it was just—I mean, it was kind of—it it, he was—he was a character. I, I think I bought his book like after he was canceled or something. I I looked at his book; it was stupid. Like, I mean, even for him, it was—it was bad. Well, his book, yeah, and then his next book got totally canceled by the publisher. Oh, did it? Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was just so. yeah. So you got the last, the last. He he came to prominence. I remember with uh, on the wings of like GamerGate because I don't know if you are familiar with GamerGate, and if not. I'm good yes, yeah yes. I'm, i know enough about it to know that nobody knows what it's yeah. about so yeah, exactly well well just know that there's like a feminist team and there's a you know gamer team or whatever it all had to do with gamer. some gamers who were dating it had to do with like some relationship it started off that sour. way it started off that way yes. and then it, it blew up and became like a, a like an existential struggle for for some some journalists and it's still like it's yes. still invoked as if as if the, like the shadow, the specter of Gamergate, you know, like Tamer, Taylor <laughs> Lorenz will bring it up. We need to have a reckoning. <laughs> she will still bring it up like Gamergate, like as if it's as if it happened, you know, as if it was like a war. Like, you know how vets might bring up like Korea. Um, I feel like there there are some journalists who bring up Gamergate in like a similar kind of hard uh, way anyway it had to do with female gamers <laughs> feeling discriminated against by male gamers or not welcome in male something gaming like spaces. that something about d- gaming journalism being very pro <laughs> pro feminists and I, it was stupid the whole the controversy the, the substance of the debate was dumb but uh. but it actually it, it was very illustrative of the fissures you know that that that's were evident there and then suddenly were everywhere (laughs) like the same fight was happening everywhere um all at once it was you know feminists and social justice warriors versus the rest of us i guess who are who who are now nazis um but i remember at that time i i was not like fully radicalized as you know the, the the nazi i am today but um I, I think I was just like watching, you know, on, on the sidelines. And I remember that's when I first heard of Christina Hoff Summers. Oh, yeah. really? In that yeah, context. she went on. That's right. She went on tour with Milo and Steve Crowder, the comedian. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I was, I mean, I, I like, I love Christina, but I was a little bit disappointed that she did that. I think tour. I heard of her before then too, like before that tour. Yeah. Well, she wrote the war on boys. Yeah. She wrote one of the original uh, books about, the kind of stuff that we talk about all the time and that and that Richard Reeves uh, it, new book is about. Yeah. Yeah. That. I think, I think they trying to remember the exact context, but I think it was, it was about, it was, I was reading a conversation on Facebook about Gamergate um, from these like super, super feminist uh, people that I were, uh, that I was friends with um, like power, like very, very social justice type. And they were referring to um some women as like in order to disparage them they were just they were referring to them as a christina hoff summers type feminist (laughs) like (laughs) and of course i'm like very curious like who's this like this 
you know, bad, like naughty woman, you know, Christina Hoff Summers. And I looked her up then and I read and I, yeah. And I read like a, a piece she wrote about, I think it was after around the time she published a war against boys. And she, it was like a totally, it was t- super sane. <laughs> it was like, yeah, a, it reasonable. was very reasonable. I didn't disagree with a single thing and I felt informed coming out of it. And I did not understand what the fuss was about. Um, about you know about Christina so Uh, she's the wrong kind of feminist yeah Christina Katie Royfe people like that yeah um yeah well and if actually if you want to see some great Christina footage you should check out the conversations between her and uh Camille Paglia oh just oh my god so good so good yeah um you could look them up on on YouTube but she's so fantastic. And I noticed, well, we'll I, I know we're digressing here, but I noticed that somebody in the comments when we were talking about why isn't there a female Jordan Peterson figure, somebody said, how about Camille Paglia? And I, I don't think she's, I mean, she's not really active. I've been trying to get her on my podcast. I can't even find a, like an email for her. I've tr- tried to track her down. Um, is she? I like, don't think. Is she? Yeah. No, I mean, no, not she, only she's not. She'd have to fashion yeah, herself. She's not active, that. but she's also she's not talking to women. So that's what I meant. But like, like Jordan Peterson is like young right. men clean your room, you know? And like, who is talking to women that way? And it's actually real advice and not like Oprah advice, <laughs> like, you know, Oprah coping. Right. Like that's, that's what right. I wanted. That's, that's what I meant by that. And I think that that figure is not there, but yeah, yeah I, I, I love those two women and I, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad yeah. that that like snarky little comment led me down this this rabbit hole of, of feminists who I find very interesting. Anyway, how did we get here? Yep. Twitter banning Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Okay, okay, so Elon Musk. So we're not. So you don't. Um, do you think the people are going to be quitting Twitter? I noticed yeah, there was some of... actress who had never heard of <laughs> going around saying that she just felt utterly harmed and she was leaving Twitter, and then they dug up. Um, earlier tweet where she said she was buying a tesla yeah there's a lot of like i'm moving to canada kind of like sentiments um and i don't take them seriously at all um i don't think many people are going to leave or if they leave they're going to leave for a short period and then they're going to come back saying like there was one guy (laughs) there was one thread i read from what's his name eli crystal or something i don't know i'll I'll look it up but but, um he's a he's a he's a crt kind of guy um and i follow him because uh, it's pretty funny, not uh, on purpose. Uh, and he had this whole thing about how he should leave Twitter, and but he won't because he has to fight white supremacy, and it's his oh, duty yeah. to fight white supremacy. So he's got to be here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. this whole thing, this is hilarious. Like the whole um, drama of it all, you know. Um, for the most part, I think yeah. for most people, nothing will change on Twitter, and that's that's probably good. Like for most people, nothing will change. Um, For some people who are talking about very, like people who are very interested in gender, that conversation will probably change. Um, Or at least I hope it does. And it'll become a little bit more open. But other than that, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't think much is going to happen. I think I'm very, I don't know. uh, This, this tendency of, of people to, to freak out so much by, more free speech is it makes me very nervous you know it and it makes me think that that we there's too there's too much of an authoritarian bent uh among our educated like 
class of people that they 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 do seem to feel that if there isn't like somebody censoring left and right then misinformation will lead the way and all hell will break loose um and i just I, know. I feel like this is what got this is what gets us into this mess you know like this like they keep doing this censorship thing and people lose trust in institutions and then they elect somebody like donald trump and and then and then they say oh well we need to do more censorship because people are electing people like donald trump um and it just continues you know and i think we're just getting into a place that no one wants to be so this is nice to see maybe elon can change things i i'm maybe maybe i i'm i'm hopeful cautiously hopeful which is new for me nice all right you know that alone makes it worthwhile that elon musk bought twitter if if it makes you cautious cautiously hopeful that's that's a huge yeah maybe i'll that's moving yeah, maybe the needle I'll buy a, a tesla way. to thank him do you do you have a tesla oh do you have a car no <laughs> like, do you <laughs> yes i have a car you're in new york like, in okay, okay okay right right right, right. okay <laughs> you moved to um, london i had a car when i lived in new york city oh you did that's how much i i have a car well because i have i have a dog i have a big dog so when i moved from california to new york five years ago already i had i had to drive oh. um because i have this dog so yeah i have to drive everywhere um it's a it's a bad i i i want to be bi-coastal yet i have an enormous dog so what i really would like is a private plane uh-huh that would be yeah like you know how they talk about how if you were if you were really really rich like what is the first thing you would buy or like the one thing you would want it would be a plane. <laughs> and for me, it's a private jet well, only because of this dog. Okay. Issue. But like, it would be so bad for the environment. I mean, so here's, here's yeah, I know. where I'm, I'm just saying this is a, this is a okay, thought, thought experiment. experiment. Okay, That's okay, okay, okay. Well, maybe then you'd be rich yeah. enough to buy like those like carbon. What is it? When they, oh a carbon offset yeah, yeah. oh that is such a shame. yeah but you know look you I don't have kids I don't have kids so I can I my carbon footprint is so small because I'm not I'm not reproducing so okay I can do whatever okay. I want I can just build a castle out of styrofoam and ex- expel carbons and fly all over well, the new so. okay the new Teslas they are nice I have driven I have driven it um they had like on the in the showroom or whatever they allowed you to have it. A, a trial run or whatever and i did the i i did the auto driving thing it was super scary it's it's it was so scary for me it was just like my anxiety did you like, actually drive around on the road yes yes i drive i drove on the wow. well, it drove on auto drove. drive but so were you sitting like in the back seat and nobody in the front seat no no i was in the front you, seat you were in the driver's, in the driver's seat. seat but you're supposed to let go you let go of the, you, you oh. let go and it is changing lanes and it's parking and it's doing all these things on its own and it is it was my anxiety was through the roof yeah was it a better parker than you Great park oh wait i mean my i'm a terrible parker <laughs> this was it because you're a girl yes um uh, does it drive like a guy does it drive like a man or a woman it, it drive it i think it drives like a man actually yeah yeah and what ethnicity of person does it drive like mm, i i won't say um <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. You know what? I'm not. Anything. I'm not gonna. Just we just questions. need to. Yeah, we can. We should move on. But it was cool. All it was right. a cool. It was a cool car for sure. All right. Well. Okay. Speaking of censorship, uh, we have another story in the news this week. Uh, James Bennett, former uh, editor of the New York Times opinion section, has resurfaced 
in the news, uh, specifically in an interview he did with this new media outlet, Semaphore, which is run by Ben Smith, the journalist, uh, formerly of um, BuzzFeed News, and then uh, the media columnist at the New York Times for a while. And uh, he has now left to do this new um, new uh, enterprise. And James Bennett gave an interview talking about the whole debacle regarding the Tom Cotton op-ed. Uh, that was the circumstance under which James Bennett left the Times. Well, I think it's good that these new outlets yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are springing Me too. up. Um, and uh, so, okay, so I guess J- James Bennett said some some pretty damning things about the Times. But then what was really remarkable is an Eric Wemple, who's the media columnist for the Washington Post, who had jumped on the bandwagon uh, at the time and piled on James Bennett uh, and everybody else, is now writing a column saying he was wrong for doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Very interesting. And uh, yeah. Yes. And then people are, of course, reacting to that. So. I- I mean, so he specifically says, you know, that uh, that we didn't do it because we were afraid to like we were afraid to speak out in Bennett's defense, which on the one hand, I give him credit for belatedly being honest about the situation. On the other hand, I, you know, I I don't want to excuse it. You know, I don't I don't. Mm-hmm. It, because there's this, I've noticed a trend now of, okay, enough time has passed. Can we be honest about this? You know, can we can we really bring up bring this up? I mean, this is happening around COVID right now, where there's certain issues that were just completely untouchable that are now touchable, things that were unsayable that are not now suddenly sayable. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of the, um, you know, all the all the talk around. The lab leak theory. Um, there was this big, yes. big piece in Vanity Fair about it recently. Just like too big, like too long, really. Um, TLDR. <laughs> yeah. For you. I, well, yeah. So um, it just I think dropped. It just, we're, we're, I, I read. Yeah, I read like dropped. almost. I, I read like more than half, like sixty percent. But then I was like, this is so. Long. <laughs> um, uh, and well, actually, I've read. I've read uh, Matt Ridley's book. Um, about about the lab yes leak with alina mm-hmm. chan who's been who's been a guest on the unspeakable yeah yeah she yeah. alina chan was a guest on the unspeakable um more than uh a year ago mm. uh i was i was covering this issue i will just yeah, say yeah well you you know i mean but suddenly it, i remember that when i first said it like when i first started saying it kind of out loud even among my peer group like my real life peer group people were looking me looking at me and I could see it in their face, like, oh, Sarah's going, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, now you're being like, like, it's like Glenn Beck crazy. You know, like how you remember how oh. you used to take out like a chalkboard and he would write all kinds of things. on. It. <laughs> I walk around with a chalkboard. <laughs> and so we were making all kinds that. of like connections. And it was like, I could tell that that's what they were thinking about me, even though the evidence was starting to come in. And this was oh my always God, it's before any. It's so <laughs> obvious. <laughs> Okay, but when was this yeah. happening that they were doing this? Like what like, time? Like about pandemic? eight months, nine months ago was when they were doing it. So, okay. so it was it was okay. it was like it, it it was right around the time where 
I think a first couple of articles had been published that were like, maybe it's not so crazy, you know? And so I, I kind of felt like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's time now that I can, I can also voice (laughs) my, my, my feeling that there's an obvious answer here that we're for some reason, really not really looking away from or, or beyond just looking away from, I remember when I was first being, when first people were talking about the lab leak theory and it's like, we don't know anything. We don't know anything about the origins. There's no reason to cast one theory as obvious racist quackery because we don't know. We don't know enough about anything, um, but it was happening. I remember it very clearly because I, I thought it was the most likely scenario right from the beginning. And I remember, do you yeah. remember um, John Stewart talking about it? <laughs> Do you remember? Oh, that? you mean recently? No, no. Yes, well, that's not recently. Why, but like, oh, uh, even back no, then. No, uh, not super back then. But you remember he was? I think he was on Colbert or something, and he was talking about it. Do you remember? Yeah, that? when he started his podcast, like a few months ago, and that's why everybody had such high hopes for him, and he disappointed us so profoundly when he started being stupid about race and beating up on Andrew Sullivan and then the gender. Yeah. But he, but he started off good, like pointing out. I was like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pointing out the, the the obvious, like, why are, why are we, why why are we precluding this from one of the possibilities when it seems, you know, the, the the circumstantial evidence is. Well, it's Occam's razor. It's really is the simplest explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Considering that there was never any, they've never been able to make any connection between a, a natural. Right from the beginning. From right. An, from an animal. They've never been. Well, so yeah, I mean, they were talking about it when the pandemic first started, they would be talking about it like Brett and Heather, Brett yeah. Weinstein and Heather yeah. Hying would be talking about it and that kind of thing. And I think, I feel like it was acceptable for about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And then it totally disappeared. Yeah. But it's like, again, it's one of these things where the people it's like the american people can't be trusted to sort of walk and chew gum at the same time there's a difference between saying it was an accidental lab leak and saying that it's some kind of bioweapons attack that the chinese did on purpose no reasonable person thinks that well i mean and if you lie about it if you if you or just cover it up you know to cover up the whole thing then it's gonna it seems even more suspicious like this is the kind of thing that makes the the crazy people crazier because exactly. it proves them right. Exactly. They're partially right that yeah. you are. Yeah, you are. You really are um, covering up something. Um, and they'll just expand that. Oh, they're covering up this too. Um, but it was, yeah, it was always the most likely scenario. I mean, it never made sense to me how, okay, so the, the, these, these animals um, were found from, you know, in South China or even, Angling. or even further away. And they traveled what hundreds or thousands of miles or whatever to, to Wuhan, and then <laughs> no, no, hundreds of thousands. No, I didn't say. Yes, ha- very, I said hundreds far. and thousands. Okay, hundreds oh, or thousands. Okay. I didn't say okay. hundreds okay. of thousands. <laughs> Not that okay. far, but hundreds or thousands of miles um, okay. to Wuhan, and you know, along the way, where this is this is a highly infectious virus, like super, and it's hopping around from from animal to human, and it infects no one, you know, like, until it gets to Wuhan, and suddenly I know. <laughs> And here's the thing. This this does not have to be a xenophobic line of inquiry in any way whatsoever, because the U.S. government was funding that research. But what's interesting is that we have we are moving closer and closer into in one direction. Right. Like we're moving closer and closer in the direction of one. First, it was just like the, the Biden administration acknowledging that this was a real possibility and we haven't cleared it you know we, we haven't we haven't uh what did he say dismissed it as a real possibility ruled it, ruled out. it out yeah yeah um 
that was the first step towards, okay, uh, sensible people, <laughs> correct thinking people can, who are, who are not crazy are allowed to bring it up sometimes. Like that's what they was, he was giving them permission. Thank you. I, appreciate <laughs> I mean, that. but truly though, truly. Cause I remember when I was able to say, Hey, look, the Biden administration said, blah, blah, blah. Like, then people suddenly I could see in their eyes like they they think I'm slightly less crazy now, you know, and it, it what what drives me crazy about it is that the more you look into it, the more suspicious like China's behavior becomes like very, very. Oh, yeah. I, and, like, so we knew this right from the beginning that they were lying to some degree. Like there was I remember very, very, very early on China was saying that there's no evidence of a human to human transact transmission even though people were like dropping left right and center in <laughs> in 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 china and it was completely evident to medical workers at the scene that that's what was happening um mm. but they were they were denying it up until like january like late january is when they admitted the obvious that was clear to everyone given how how it was spreading that human to human transmission was happening they were lying about every- i mean you know this yeah. is china well- this is <laughs> Remember that doctor? Do you remember that story that he he was sort of um, a Chinese doctor, I think in Wuhan was um, or somewhere in China was a whistleblower and was making public statements about how it was likely a, a lab leak and that the CCP was lying. And that doctor died a few days later. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember, yeah, he was saying things about yeah. how this is you know, he was saying things that the Chinese government did not want. Uh, people to acknowledge and yeah. say, and at that point, at early on in the early on in the uh, the spread of the virus, they didn't even want people to acknowledge that it was happening. Um, they didn't even, or, right. or the extent of the spread, just to even say those like facts um, was causing trouble, according to the Chinese government. And by the end of it, I think I think there was like so many journalists that were detained from the government um, for for quote unquote causing trouble. They have a very interesting like mm. legal system. Like they they can yeah. detain people for all kinds. It's of almost stuff. as bad as being shadow banned on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. They God. don't know what it's like. These, yeah, I know. Really, um, Crimea River Chinese journalists. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, I would say that uh, people should definitely check out this um, this Ben Smith piece in semaphore semaphore i'm sorry did i ruin and it? That, please that was us, stupid please should... tell us what semaphore <laughs> means um no but it's i but it, again i think it gets to no i, I that, that was a weird transition but it's it's all of a piece this mm-hmm. is all a, a really circling around the same thing which is that um this idea of what is allowed to be talked about is is ultimately so insulting to the intelligence of the american people it is it re- like we don't trust you to to be able to parse anything even slightly complicated so we're just going to have an authoritarian approach to media to to, to information to someone what's fascinating about it to me is the way that we all behave like we all understand when something suddenly becomes unsayable like we all get the message like lemmings like we just get it into our brains like so, i mean yes it's like it's like in the <laughs> air and everybody kind of sniffs it at, at the, the same, same time. time and begins conforming you know and even even if even for those of us like i i consider myself like a very like you know, not non-conformist right but even even i felt it and even i felt the pressure to be silent um when i would have been you know if, on other topics where i felt where they were less likely to get me um you know completely oh really yeah i've been yelling i 
I, not to brag, okay. but I've been yelling about the lab leak the whole oh, really? time. Oh, yeah, I'm proud mm-hmm. of you. That is no, that yeah. actually, that's truly that's very that's um because I I remember when I brought it up, I remember pride I bring it, brought it up privately among my friends, and they were like. I, I just the reaction was just like you're crazy like you're crazy that's crazy you're being crazy dial it back and then I was like okay I guess I'm not gonna I shouldn't I should revisit this and that's when I started becoming really obsessed and I that's when I read picked up um, Matt Ridley's book and um, all this stuff and I just started like following all these people and reading all about it and now mm-hmm. I feel a lot more informed a lot more confident um, when I talk about it but it, it, it so I mean everybody has to walk the line between being as honest as you, you know, just, just speaking your truth constantly all the time. And then, <laughs> and then, and then what, you know, I remember what Sam Harris said, which is like, not everything needs to be said by you. <laughs> that's well, <laughs> which is, I, I take it, <laughs> but it's wise, right? Like that's a, it's a, it's a wise thing. And it, it, there is something to be said about if you just, you know, touch every third rail all the time, constantly, <laughs> um, you will become less effective when it comes to any one particular That's third true. rail. And so, uh, you know, from from my mind, it's I, I always have this like activist and truth teller bit like they're like fighting all the time because I, I do think about efficacy. And if, you know, I, I thought about it when it comes to like the gender stuff, it's like if I start talking about too much about the craziness happening here there are a ton of people who are just gonna suddenly say well this is you know this is a you know bridge too far or whatever for us and now sarah's not welcome in the ex-muslim like criticism so of religion world or whatever yourself in the foot with the other things yeah I mean, you can yeah. only carry so many crosses i think like re- realistically you know and it angers me so much to have to think this way and it like I, I'm ugh, just ugh, steaming about it all the time, you know, and but but at the same time, I want to have an effect on the world. I want to change people's minds. I don't want to be screaming into a corner where no one will listen to me. Like I want to be I want to be taken seriously, at least by some people, not by everyone, but by some people. And does that mean that occasionally you have to keep your mouth shut? I mean, it's such a ugly thing to even say out loud and there are going to be some people who are going to say but sarah you should just be just but okay be, just, just say everything <laughs> say everything that pops but, okay your but mind. here's the other on the on the flip side of this if you are a single issue third rail toucher is that also kind of a bad strategy hmm. why would it be? Does that also make you look like a crazy person like if there's somebody like if if all you talked about was gender say would that also would that i think the best strategy is to be like purely strategic perspective the best way to be is to be 100 in line with the tribe the 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 tribe whose minds you're wanting to change you know like the 100 in line with them except for on this one issue (laughs) and so you're saying i'm a liberal but i'm a liberal but and i'm a very reasonable hey i'm a very i'm i am the you know uh the the uh, what's it what's it called what weather wane whatever but i i'm i am i am uh the somebody you can trust on this issue and when i start to think hmm this is not right you should be taking me seriously because i am with you and walking that sane line 
Okay, but we've already lost that. Oh, of course. I mean, this is, is this, this is, is hypothetical. So hypothetical. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know no, 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 not us, not us right. anymore. If anyone's listening to this who wants to be uh, uh, taken seriously, don't do what we do. Um, yeah, but uh, part of it is also like mm. that. I don't want to get into every fight because I just don't find all topics equally interesting at the same time. Um, you know, part right. part of the reason I was like finally with the with the gender stuff, I was like, okay, you know what? I've been obsessed with this for a very long time. Um, and even if it's going to hurt me in some way, I need to be open about it. Like I need I need to do it. It's just it, it's coming. Yeah. I think we need all hands on deck for this one. I actually think um so Wesley Yang, uh the the journalist, he has a, a substack essayist. Essays. He's got. The, he he's coined the notion of the successor ideology when he talks about all this. You know, kind of this incarnation of social justice. He was on the Gender a Wider Lens podcast recently this past week, and he, the the whole thing is him monologuing for i mean they barely get a word in and no i don't mean this in a bad way it's like this incredible speech and he links all these things and he connects all these dots and he he starts talking about why he entered the gender discussion because it was not in his Mm -hmm. uh wheelhouse uh until fairly recently and he says like this is this is so massive like this this is an instance of such sort of collective delusion yeah, you just have to you on have such to. a grand scale yeah. that you have yeah. to yeah and it's going to take a really long time to um rein yeah. it in yeah and it's also like who who is being harmed you know and I, that's so with, with with my like internal calculations it's like okay i can there are a lot of things wrong with the world and there are a lot of things i could be talking about but like in terms of harms uh, you know, with this issue in particular, there's these are there are the there are lives of young, vulnerable people that are going to be destroyed forever, and we are letting it happen. And I think that there's it's there's it's so cruel to me that I just felt there is no way I can't not talk about this, and it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what happens now. I just I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. I just have to do it. But with no. Wesley, yeah. in for people who have who don't know Wes, Wesley, you should follow Wesley. He is in speaking. Like I remember the first time I heard him was like on Clubhouse or something back when that was a thing. But we've been oh, yeah, yeah we've been friends like back like uh, we we we've been in like private chats together and all like like chat groups or yeah. whatever together. And um, uh, I've known him for a little while and. He is just, he speaks off the cuff, like in literal essays. Like he just, he can just, <laughs> it's actually, that's why I laughed when he was like, I'm on it because- he can't, I know. I don't think he can say anything in fewer than like 2,700 Yeah, sentences. and they're great too. They're like excellent sentences and they're, extre- the thought is, he just, he just, bleh, it just comes out and it's, and it's great <laughs> and it's articulate and the work, the sentences make sense together. Um, he is just one. I think I'm so impressed by him. Like I'm not. I'm not always impressed by uh, just like the raw talent of people. Sometimes, but he he's he's just he's because a lot of people have to work hard. But it seems like Wesley just he, he it's it's innate. Whatever it is that he has, like whatever skill he has, it's it it just it just yeah. comes forth through him. So I I would definitely yeah. recommend anything that he's on. I I've been on his Colin show once. Um, mm-hmm. that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we need more people who are just sort of 
um, normies or, you know, public intellectual types that were just were not interested in this gender thing, um, getting on board and just, I I think only when the, when the, when the less obsessed, when the non-obsessed people, when the non-previously obsessed people get into the mix, only then will we start to inch our way forward. People like you and me are not helping. Interestingly, on this retreat that I just led, um, we we had a big discussion about gender because Lisa Salen Davis came in as our guest speaker, but we didn't really talk about it outside of that. Um, mm. I was surprised. We we talked about it was it was more um, it was more political. Like we talked more about um, maybe because the midterms are coming up or whatever. But uh, I thought that was curious. Like um, yeah, it, it was not as much as. When I've done these in the past, perhaps. So. That's anyway. crazy. I think that that's crazy. Because I, know. I, I was like, just, you guys suck. <laughs> I would have gone in. I would have been nonstop gender. I know. I have a hard time like holding my holding my tongue about this. Like, and uh, people sometimes come up to me and like, on in real life, like things, and they'll just be like wanting to talk to me about it. And I'm like, look, listen, I, I, I if I start, I will never stop. So <laughs> it just has to. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because I do think it's worth asking what is so crazy making about this? Like, why are some people so obsessed and others just don't care? Like when Camille Foster came on this podcast and he was just like, yeah, whatever. It's just not a big issue for me. Like, what no, is that? I think it's like, I think it's, it's so huge that it is actually easy to miss. Like, d- does that make sense? Like yeah. it is, so, yes. yeah. <laughs> it is so, um, it involves so many different aspects of our, you know, uh, of our culture, our society, our institutions, like the, yes. the various ways and everything. It, it exposes the fault lines of so many different, um, you know, it, so many different issues co- at once, which sounds crazy. Now I'm saying it and I'm saying this is like, oh, like what a, you know, conspiracy theorist sounds like. But it's no, true. It's yeah, a, it's, but true. That, it's true. It's a huge tapestry. Yeah. It's like this huge three-dimensional like, yeah, it's it is the the most fascinating. I think this might be the most fascinating kind of um, intellectual conundrum of my lifetime. Right, right. So this this is what I what I think is why people who who are looking at it like and can kind of see that there's they're like hmm, yeah it's confusing to me but also that it's okay you know like and then they just like look away like purpose it see, feels to me that they're mm-hmm. purposefully not looking. You know, um, so the, the, I think there's a one issue of thinking of it as too small, like of not seeing the bigger picture. Um, and that I understand, like people who are just thinking, oh, it's the, w- what you've said over and over that um, people just think it's like another gay rights movement. Yeah. Um, and those people just they think about it to that degree um, and then they move forward and they, they, they don't see anything else. They don't see the, the tapestry that you and I see but um then there's others who are purposefully looking away and I can tell that they're looking away like I can I can tell that they have the the, in normal circumstances they would be intellectually curious about the kinds of claims that are being made because there are big claims being made they're big (laughs) it's what you see is not what what is in some meaningful way but we won't go into why or how or you know what any of these words mean but we are going to restructure how we think about 
you know, the, the, the most, one of the most fundamental parts of our biology. And we're going to restructure how we, how we organize the sexes. We're going to restructure our language in this odd, you know, like in a, an awkward kind of way. It feels it, it's, it's something you have to deliberately tell yourself to do. I, I mean, there's so many, there's so much being asked. It's not so simple just tolerance, you know, it's, it's, it's something so much broader than that. Um, and I, I don't understand why normally intellectually curious people are looking away. And frankly, I'm judging them. I am, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it is just too overwhelming, but it's disappointing. Yeah. I'm kind of judging them too. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's also scary because it has to do with how doctors are being trained. Yeah. It has to do with medical professionals um, how they learn to yeah. think and what's acceptable in terms of judgment and um, the way that we've just come to accept that what it feels like to have no adults in the room right. and, and, and a, a comfort with um, people with very, who were either very young or very just immature in their, um, <laughs> in, in their temperaments uh, and people with various, mental health challenges running the show yeah it's, i i, I think it's it not points something to that we should problem. get used yeah, to i think i was i was talking to this uh, talking talking to this talking about this um with a family member recently and we were uh touching on just the ways in which our culture is one that doesn't i mean this what what you were touching on which is that um there's no adults in the room, but also the children are leading the way. I mean, that's part of a broader philosophy that we have mm-hmm. of seeing mm-hmm. young people as these holders of moral truths, and you know, yes. and that's they, that they know more <laughs> they than know we more do. Than that we they're do. yeah, they're these little philosophers. Yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yes. the, they they know something about well, it, it, it's part and parcel of of you know the Whig history, but like thinking of like. Uh, moral progress as something that is necessarily something that is going to move in a better direction. Like we are getting more and more moral. Uh, there's a right side of history. History is moving towards, you know, that, that it was an MLK quote about the arc of history is oh, long, oh, the, but it bends um, towards the, justice. Is, the, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, I mean, it, it's that view of, it's that view of this is how things are, are going to go because, because from when, when it comes to the a social perspective in the past, you know, from, from the civil rights era onwards, it really has gone that way in many ways. So e- e- I can understand how they might think that this is how it's always, this is how it's always going to be like forever. <laughs> and the children will yeah. know more and they'll be more tolerant. They'll be more accepting. And I find it to be so it's such an, it, it's an abdication, abdication, actually. Abdication. Yeah, no, it's a shirking, it's a shirking of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that we should wrap this wrap up. up this portion of the conversation yeah. and then um, move on to the so bonus, do our, do our, our bonus content. So bonus content, uh, we're going to talk the... uh, maybe not about gender, not maybe, maybe not. not, maybe we'll talk about other things, but don't worry. Maybe we maybe will. We will. Yeah. You maybe never, you have to, to find out, you have to subscribe. You go to a special place.substack.com and you subscribe and become a paying member and you get access to our community which is awesome and they are smarter than us and they call us out all the time especially me yeah if you uh, if you if you hate this and you want to yell at us become a page yeah because then, then i'll read and it can, and you can yeah, do that. i'll read it and yeah. it will just it will go directly to my heart and um i'll think about it when i go to sleep and i'll wake up 
uh, mad at myself, Being but also hating. <laughs> she will hate herself as as described. Um, all right, all right. See you in hell. We'll see. See you in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Oh.